0: Welcome to the Gateway Ministry School Life of Leadership podcast. Hear from our Gateway Ministry School speakers as they share insights into their unique leadership experience. We hope this episode will enhance and contribute to your leadership journey.
1: Sav Cameron, it's a delight to sit on the couch with you again for an episode of the Life of Leadership podcast. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. It's always good to
1: see you. That's nice of you to say.
0: Yeah. It's nice to be seen. Well, Yes. That
1: sounds really deep, doesn't it? And that, it does. that's, actually, that's actually probably a relevant comment for our episode today and who we've got on the podcast. Oh, yes. Gateway's own Derek Peters. Derek, welcome. It's great to have you with us. Thank you, Sam. Sab, lovely to be here. What's what uh, what's brewing in your hand there, mate? It smells quite divine.
2: I'm on this new thing, which I told the students at GMS all about, is this thing called uh, cocoa husks. So they're <sighs> brewed cocoa husks. It's really just okay. chocolate water with a bit of milk in it, but it's really comforting. <laughs>
1: I, I think I, I, the only the only word I understood in that sentence was water. All the rest of it I, I think you belong at City Campus with uh, with Andrew Serkum. Yeah, right? You'd fit do. in pretty well there. <laughs> Mate, we don't want to waste another moment because uh, you have got some some uh, some great things to share with us today around identity rather than me asking a question what i'd love you to launch into is is your heart and and your your picture and and the picture you paint so well of what is identity in christ and why is it so important
2: yeah absolutely i think in all of this we've got to go back to the beginning because you know we've got to ask ourselves the question what was god trying to do what was his dream for humanity in creation Mm. because if we're not aiming for the dream that god's got then we're aiming for some human invention of that which is less than what scripture really wants us to aim at. Mm. So again, I'm not suggesting that just because we identify what God's dream was that that makes it easy. And I'm not saying that that makes it completely attainable in a lifetime, but I think we've got to shoot for the stars and you never know you might hit the moon I think is the old <laughs> the old saying. Uh, God, there's a really interesting little cluster of scripture in the New Testament where all the greats, Paul, Peter, the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews, Matthew, John, all of them write in different parts of their writings this one truth. And they talk about before the foundation of the world, God was sending his son. Mm. Now they use different words, different phraseology, but essentially it's the same meaning. So you've got to think about this really about what's God's purpose for humankind. So God decided before he said, let there be light, before he decided to create the world, before the world self-polluted itself with sin, God had already decided that he was going to come in the form of a human being by sending the second person of the Trinity who we know to be the Logos or the Word before he was then named Jesus. And he was going to walk as a man in human flesh, fully God, but fully man. Mm. So that full decision in the mind of God and therefore his crucifixion and resurrection was all planned before God said, let there be light. This is revolutionary because what it means is God sending his son was not plan B because Adam stuffed it up. Mm. You know, And I think if we think of it that way, We've got to realize that there is actually a God that's in control and has designed this whole thing way beyond what we can ever imagine. And so we've got to give ourselves a little bit of ability to trust that God is okay with us dreaming bigger than we currently dream Mm -hmm. about who we think we are. Probably it's plausible to say we shoot too low for the thing that God wants us to shoot for. So here's the thing. God says you know, I'm going to join this creation of mine into a triune relational connection with myself, and I'm going to make sure that happens no matter what happens. So so Paul turns up later and says, nothing can separate us from the love of God, neither height, nor depth, nor principality, nor power, nor might, or dominion, or any created thing mm-hmm. on heaven or under the earth can separate you from the love of God. And the reason he can say it so confidently is because God has become human. That human being called Jesus lived a sinless life, rose again, was resurrected, and goes back and seats himself within the triune relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit, representing the human race who can never be broken from being in that constant communication with the Father, Son, and Spirit. And we are in Jesus. So we start there. And I think when we're talking about identity, we've got to remove the sin as being the issue now. In other words, I am too unworthy to walk with God because of my sin. We have got to stop saying that because what we're doing is we're saying that what Adam did wrong was greater than what Jesus did right. Mm. And if we're Mm. saying that, Mm. we've got our theology back the front, I think. Okay, so based on that premise, We were born for a relationship of intimacy and complete union with God, and God has equipped us completely and totally to live that out. And he is not saying to you, your sin separates you from me. Mm. Because if he is saying that, then everything Jesus did on the cross is of of no use. We are still without hope. But my Bible and your Bible says that's not true. We are completely, in fact, our Bible says you are the righteousness of God. Mm -hmm. So how come I don't feel that? And if I don't feel it, is it God's fault or mine? So I've now got to start to change what I meditate on, how I think. And then if I start to do that, I'm shifting the place I'm starting from. Now we can have the conversation about identity.
0: Mm. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I was joking before, but we do need to have some sort of sound effects that kind of explains the mind-blowing kind of effect <laughs> that just happened to us. <laughs> I don't want a sound yeah. effect for mind-blowing. <laughs> you yeah. could yeah. slur from your yeah. cacao water. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that, that is a, a true mind shift. But I think what I'm sensing, even listening to that, and I've heard this from time and time again, different times from you, it's just this resonating thing in my spirit that the spirit of God is saying yes. And, mm-hmm. and the affirmation in what you just talked about takes away just that deep kind of longing that people have. Oh, I, I'm not right with God to a, a standpoint that scripture talks about. That you can approach the throne of grace with, you know, confidence. Like that now makes a whole bunch of other scriptures that we read it, from a different posture. Yeah than one that is unworthy to being worthy, yes. but that we're always worthy because Christ has already done it. But he's already done it in eternity before human came.
2: Yes. See, a lot of contemporary literature that's secular, for example, will talk to the idea of our inner worth. And it talks about the value of the human, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so we've got to build our worth on some premise. So if we're going to build it, on the things that are outside of God, then we've got to talk about the intrinsic value of the human being, the unique footprint that you've got, you know, the unique mark you're going to leave on the world that, you know, your view Mm -hmm. is, is, you know, valuable. We kind of build this sort of Mm postmodern kind of view of our own self importance. It's shaky ground and it's really, really, it's sand as, as Jesus would have put it in, in the parable because it's not built on the original design plan of God. As mm. soon as we start to locate ourselves in Jesus, we're locating ourselves on the logos or the logic of the universe. He is the logic of the universe. Everything makes sense in Jesus mm. because Jesus then is the prototype for everything that, created, that was God-created man to be, both relationally with the Father, both in action within the kingdom, And then the bringing of the kingdom, both in character, attributes, power, you know, in demonstration, all of the kingdom things that Jesus did were forerunners of the kingdom of God that God wants to establish on the earth. So therefore, the only way that kingdom gets established is that the king gets the people of the kingdom, the sons and the daughters, to act like sons and daughters Mm. and bring the kingdom. So. So he's relying on us to put aside the sin conversation and start getting into the kingdom conversation. He's done all this so Mm. that dot dot dot. You know, it's 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 not it's not an end in itself. It's not that we sit there and look in the mirror and say, "My, how wonderful we are." You know, it's we have been made righteous so that we have a confidence before the throne of grace to ask God to bring His kingdom to the earth and partner with Him. And then the joy is in the outflowing of that kingdom happening all around us. Mm. I think that's the premise of identity, you know. Now, he might call you to be an architect. He might call you to be a school teacher, You're, you're, you're a mum at home. You're a carpenter. Whatever you are, that's fine. Your vocation is not the point because your identity is the thing that sits under all of that. You are a son of God and you're a carpenter. Fantastic. Mm. That should shift how you feel about yourself. That should shift how you see need in the world. That should see how you view other people, how you drive your car, how you shop for your groceries, how you father your kids. I mean, now I'm not saying we're perfect, but it starts to put in Mm. us this heightened sense of responsibility that we are people of the kingdom now. Yeah. Um, If we're going to camp around sin and keep looking at all the things we're doing wrong, we're just looking at the wrong thing. In fact, I actually would go so far as to say this, we're making an idol of something that actually God has eliminated. Mm. He has not. He, God is not asking us to look at our sin. God wants us to remember the cross, because without the cross, what have we got? Mm. Well, the reality is without the incarnation, what have we got? Mm. But without the cross and the resurrection, we've got nothing. But, but we have got that, so let's move on.
1: Mm. So Derek, wow. like I hear, I hear the passion. It's it's almost like um, if I could say this and forgive me if it's a bit bit harsh, but it's it's like it's like you're picking a fight, oh. <laughs> and, and stirring the I, pot. Stirring the pot. Yeah, yeah. So what? How do you see the pot? How do you see the the versions of, of Christianity that you're describing when you say things like we need to move on from the sin conversation and that sort of thing? Um, how do you see that manifesting in the church? What what does that look like? How, how is that prominent? I think the God
2: of justice that we talk about is actually got a war he's made against our shame and unworthiness. I think the war is not against sin because the Bible says that Jesus died once for all. Mm. That sin, that the perfect sacrifice has come to completely deal with the sin problem. In fact, Paul said, sin will not have dominion over you. So he actually has been emphatic. So the, God has shifted the conversation, but what we do, and Paul talks about this too, how we become sin conscious rather than righteousness conscious. Mm-hmm. And so we live right. each day yeah. mindful of the shame and unworthiness, but actually that's the battle that God's, I think mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit's war with us. And if I can say it this way, it's not really a war, it's a, it's a loving, it's a loving um, uh, debate he's having with us constantly is you're not unworthy. Like, yes, there's been some things. You're not full of shame. I have restored you. Now, your life may not necessarily fully reflect that right now. But in God's eyes, what he sees is what he's calling you into. Mm. And so what he wants us to do is start to cooperate with that narrative and stop calling ourselves shameful Mm. and start calling ourselves righteous. Again, not because it inflates our ego, but because it actually participates in the will of God. And isn't that the purpose of... I think the purpose of creation is to bring glory to God. And the only way we'll do that is not to celebrate our shame, but it'll be to celebrate our righteousness.
0: It makes that scripture that says, you know, you are no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. Right. 100%. Yeah. That makes... Yeah, yeah, look, now. this
1: is uh, this is a great conversation. I feel like in a 20-minute podcast, we're really only scratching the surface. I, I, I'm really keen to hear about, um, and I love what you said before about how, you know, you, you're the son of God. You're not the son of God, you're a son of God <laughs> yeah. and a carpenter. He's not the Messiah. Funny that the son of God was a carpenter as well, <laughs> but the the, uh, the architect. I miss on
2: both counts, by the <laughs> way. Yeah. <laughs>
1: The father, the mother, whatever it is, it's not about vocation; it's about calling. But but let's talk specifically about those who feel called by God to lead others. And again, narrow definition of leadership, not not that general. Everyone's an influencer, but but leadership Mm. and leadership in the church. Um, And I'm interested to know in your experience and what you've seen as you've engaged with things like GMS and other areas. Where where is this identity question most at threat in the life of a leader? What what are the what are the forces at work? Or what what do they look like that sort of start to mess in the mind and in the heart of a leader, someone called to lead by God, around their identity? And how how can they speak back to that stuff?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Look, I reckon that is the universal question because, and I know we want to separate the different, you know, we want to make a definition around leadership, but I think humanity's grapple is the grapple of the insecurity of my standing before God. So, but now if I take that as a leader, so every bit of purpose that I have is meant to come out of the heart of God. Because if I know that God has sent me in a particular direction, if He's commissioned me on a particular mission, if He's facing me in a certain direction, then I have the confidence that I have God who is roaring His approval over me when I go. Mm-hmm. So. Now, that's not to say that that gives me some, you know, as a leader, some ridiculous claim to authority. But what it does do is it permissions me to believe that, that we can win, that we can break through, that we can, that we can overcome, that we can see things happen that will turn brokenness back into completion. We can see lives that are not, you know, where they should be. We can see the miraculous provision of God happen because God's cooperating with his dream, which is the restoration of all things. Mm. So we, we're partnering with a God who is constantly trying to call everything back into redemption. So isn't it good to know that we have the power of the Spirit to do that mm. and we've actually been allowed to play in the sandpit with God. Mm. So this is the joy that was set before Jesus. Jesus looked at the cross there's no way in the world Jesus looked at the cross and said yippee this will be a blast so what's the joy that was set before him the joy was the purpose that he saw beyond the cross that was mm-hmm. going to be achieved mm-hmm. and the multitudes of people that were going to play in the kingdom sandpit of restoring all things so so i guess in answer to your question as a leader i've got to, I, I i've got to be filled with that hope every day of my life at least I should aspire to be filled with that hope every day of my life that no matter what obstacle I face what challenge that's in front of me whilst I'm a realist in dealing with the issues in my spirit I am alive that God can do it you know and look how much of a difference would it make if we could approach everything with that sense of it's not optimism it's actually the sense of coldness that God is with me you know God is with me he's not He's not debating amongst himself whether we're worthy enough to walk with us. And he's actually quite forgiving of when, in fact, forgiveness is, <laughs> is inseparable from his nature. So As we're having a go,
1: we're actually giving glory to God. Yeah. Mm. Let, let, me, um, let me ask you this question, I guess a really uh, practical case study. I've always resonated with the leadership of Moses. <laughs> right. Um, saying things like, why God? Why these people? <laughs> um, why me? Why this? Why this situation? All that sort of stuff. <laughs> yes. So if you're if if you're um, in a leadership role and and uh, you face criticism from the people you're leading, and it can get really harsh, and you know, I know, Sav knows, it, in church leadership it can get brutal. Yes. How does the stuff you're talking about? Uh, how does it carry you through? What what, what what's the what's the um, like if you if you could dare play the voice of God in that, um, and and may, maybe the other thing I want to throw in there as well is some of that criticism may be, um, well deserved. Sure. How how does how does the stuff you're talking about um, how does it play out ideally in in a leader who's in that situation? Yeah, look, it's 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 a good question, and I reckon there's
2: there's probably a, a more complex answer that we won't have time to get sure. into, but yeah. but I'd say. I'd say God is always into win win like god mm. god God is not trying to curse this one, so this one is blessed. that's good. God yeah. is constantly trying to bring all yeah. people yeah. into blessing now, the role of the shepherd with the sheep is still real though, so the shepherd has still gotta teach the sheep, guide the sheep, help the sheep, pick them up, and and and, uh, mend the wounds of the sheep or at least participate in the process of that. So the the heart of the shepherd, and if we're talking about church leadership, has still got to reflect the heart of the great shepherd. So there's going to be times that the shepherd is walking down onto craggy, rocky faces to collect the one rebellious sheep Mm -hmm. that just wouldn't stay with the 99, you know, Um, because God's asked us to do that. Um, And and there's going to be times that the, the sheep are going to rebel There's going to be times that the shepherd deserves some of that feedback or criticism. Uh, But I think the heart of the Christian leader says the kingdom of God is always trying to bring everybody to a redemptive place. Mm. I'm not going to get it if I start using the tools of pride, if I use the tools of ego, if I start using the tools of self-promotion, aggrandizement, you know, whatever else. If I start getting into the areas of the flesh and I start fighting against flesh and blood with the tools of the flesh then I step out of the flow of the kingdom. Mm. So so where I'm coming back to is this. We've got to have a confidence that God will back his call, God will back his people, and kindness and love and the tools of the kingdom always work. Mm. Now at times they feel like they're not. In the human sense, there are times where you're taking a beating as a leader and you say, God, how much longer? Mm. You know? But there's a divine perspective on what's happening, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there is a there is a word of the Lord for every season. Yeah. I'm convinced of that because God is not going to commission you as a leader into an impossible situation and leave you there as an orphan because he wants to teach you something. I don't believe that. I yeah. think what he wants to teach us is how to hear his voice in whatever situation we're in so that we can bring the redemptive outcome in that moment mm-hmm. and turn it to whatever it might be. Um now, it sounds idealistic, but I think it's true, and it keeps in step with what we've said up to this point in the podcast, and that is that God's redemptive purpose is always what He's about doing, so that He will partner with you to see it come to pass. Mm. So we can have confidence in that as our starting point. Now we listen for the voice of God, which is readily available to us. Again, that's an assumption built off the fact that I have a perfect relationship with God in Jesus. Mm. So I can expect to hear God to talk to me. So God, what is the answer? Now, he may not answer in five minutes, but he will answer the question and he will turn it. So our faith, you know, trust in the Lord with all of our heart, lean not on our own understanding Mm -hmm. in all of our ways, acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. That's true. But Mm -hmm. we've just got to know it's true. I think what happens is, and I'll finish my long winded answer with this. I, I think we lose confidence that the way of God will work. Yeah. And so then we pull ourselves out of that flow, hoping to use other tools that we think might work better. Mm. And then we get out of step again with the kingdom. And so we go, well, well, God, I feel like I'm lost. And, and He says, Well, you left the path. Mm. You know, it, it's not me. He'd say, and yeah. if I was pretending to be God, come back to the path, and then I'll help you get through it. Mm. Yeah.
0: Can I ask then? Um, think of a time when this has happened for you. What does it practically look like for you? What are the steps that you do knowing that it's the base of your premise of identity? When you do get criticisms or when something kind of hits you and you're like, mm, you have this kind of reaction to it, what do you do now, Derek, to to kind of bring you back into in line with what it is that, you know, the true identity that God's given yeah. you? Yeah.
2: Look, you've got to – look, I don't know how to say this any easier and maybe this sounds like a – maybe this is not helpful i don't know but there's got to be a prayer life where you and god connect like to be really practical you know a couple Mm -hmm. of mornings ago i arrived here at work my day here starts at seven uh i start you know with the lord um i was frustrated i was frustrated with a range of things which are not worth putting on on yes. record um, and I and I knew I was in a bad place in my attitudes I was mm. just in a bad place so you know where do you go you know now for, in my mind maybe this makes me a one-trick pony and maybe there are better ways to do it but for me I just get into the secret place with God and I say God yeah. what's going on inside me is mm. not helping me find wisdom I am full of tension I am full of stress, I'm full of conflicting ideas and I'm angry about a particular situation. All of that human emotion is clouding my ability to hear the still small voice. But God I know, and I'm slowing this down for you so you can Mm. see the process, I know that in you I have a perfect connection which right now is imperfect because I am cluttered, Mm. I am conflicted, but you are speaking to me and I just can't hear it. So. My assumption is, God, you are speaking perfectly to me because there's a perfect communion that you're offering me. I have got to get to my place. So it probably took, you know, now this particular morning, it probably took me 40 minutes to get out of where I was to a place where I could feel the presence of God again. It was just, and then in the presence of God, I could say, okay, God, what what do you want me to do? Mm. And so... You know, and without getting into the details, I felt like he gave me a posture for the day that was the right posture. Now, I didn't hear. I didn't see handwriting on the wall. I didn't see anything written on a piece of paper. I didn't particularly get a voice from heaven speaking audibly. But I got a posture on the inside that I think helped me. And in the way the day played itself out, I actually believe it carried me. Mm. Now, wow. it wasn't a complete answer. I've still got a few more things before the Lord that I'm asking him. But I think I'm in a better place. Mm. to walk the path of the redemption path, you know. Um, that's what it looks like to me practically.
1: Great. That's so good. I think that there's two things that I think we're going to put on the shelf for this episode and maybe pull off again when we next have you. The two things that stand out to me about what you've just described, first of all, self-awareness, being really aware of your own emotions, being mm. being um, very inquisitive of your own emotions. Uh, that's, that's the first important thing there. But then the second thing, like I, I get... i'm finding myself getting really frustrated with phrases like oh and then god turned up or god decided to come or god came to us you know or whatever it's an assumption that he wasn't there already yeah you know like i think i think the the self-awareness is quickly followed by a god awareness that Mm. he is present he's not he's not out there waiting for an invitation he's actually Mm. present and and like you said desires to speak wants to speak wants to connect and you have if you if you operate from that assumption the hot, everything we've been talking about up until this point is so much more straightforward and yes. so much more and so much easier. There's not a complexity to having a conversation with the God who is very aware. Yes, there's no formula to usher Him in. That's other gods. <laughs> yes, not 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 the God we've been talking about, yeah, and the God well we said. worship. So
2: can, can I can I add this yeah, one last thing? And I know And I know probably our time's gone, but um, you know the Psalms say, you know, be still and know that I am God. There is There is power in the stillness of the human soul to know the mind of God. And the knowingness is directly related to the stillness. And so if we can get to the ability of stilling ourselves, and so I think part of our prayer routine is learning to still the heart so that the still small voice of knowing God can be heard. And out of that can then come posture, attitude, you know, forgiveness. I mean, there, there's there really, until we forgive the offender, mm-hmm. we can't love them and then we can't hear from God. Mm-hmm. I won't hear the voice of God for someone that's offended me until I've released them. Yeah. Mm. Because all I, really in my heart of hearts, what I really want is justice. Mm-hmm. And my, it's my justice, not God's justice. God's justice is, well, he wins and I win. But my justice is, no, he loses and I win. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if we're in that place, we've automatically set ourselves up against God. So anyway, back to be still and know. I think that's the key. And so the key for the leader for me is, you know, can you walk in the stillness before God? Mm -hmm. Now, you may not always feel it every moment of the day. None of us do. But you've got to be able to find a place where you can. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's good. That's great. I wonder if if you could finish, Derek, by just praying, taking a moment to pray for those yeah, who are listening sure. to this episode right now, that they would know that happy and they would learn that rhythm. Yeah. If you could pray that for them, that would be love to a good enough to finish on. I think. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sounds good, Father. We just we we come before you as our as our Father, God. You you intimately know what it means to walk this world because you did, and God, you understand that the battle of the soul and the flesh that wants to war against the realm of the Spirit and the ways of the Spirit. But you overcame that tension. You walked in it, but you won over it. And God, you therefore can teach us to do the same thing. And God, I pray today that, Lord, you'd, you'd remind us to yield the space to you, that you'd remind us to be conscious of your presence, which never leaves us or ever forsakes us, that God, that we would really truly believe and activate a consciousness that God is Emmanuel, He is with me. And therefore, if He's with me, He's speaking to me. And Father, I pray you tune our ears. God, as Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, Lord, my prayer today for all of us is that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know the hope of our calling, we'd know the riches of the inheritance that have been placed in the saints and the exceeding greatness of your power.
1: Father, would you bless us with that today in Jesus' name? Amen. 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 Derek, thank you so much for your time, mate. Really, really great conversation. Really important principles. My pleasure, mate.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Gateway Ministry School Life of Leadership Podcast. Follow us for more chats with experienced leaders. For more information on Gateway Ministry School, please head to our website at gatewaybaptist.com.au forward slash GMS.